flows, there is a fountain that drowns sorrow. There is an ocean deeper than fear. The tide is rising and rising. There is a current stirring deep inside. It's overflowing from the heart of God. The flood of heaven is crashing over us. The tide is rising and rising. Sing bursting. Refresh us, renew us, Lord, restore us, remind us, Woo. break open prison doors, set all the captives free, spring up a well, spring up a well, spring up a well in me, nothing can stop this joy. Streets. Spring up a well, spring up a well, spring up a well in me. Break open prison doors, break open prison doors, set all the captives free. Spring up a well, spring up a well, spring up a well in me. Nothing, nothing can stop this joy. Streets. Spring up a well, spring up a well, spring up a well. All right. Okay, you know what? What is this song saying? That he said in captives free, right? But I'm going to ask you, who does God use to set captives free on earth right now? Us. Woo! Us. Us. That's why it's like nothing can stop my joy. That's why we're the well, okay? stuff in the world stop your joy the joy of the Lord is your strength you know 
what? I, I get sick and tired of hearing the world because I, I feel like Christians allow the world to stop their joy because we, we lean in and listen to them. Oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, that too, oh, yeah. And pretty soon, the enemy, we're allowing the enemy to stop our joy. And the thing is this, we are called to be Christ in this earth. Luke 4 says, I come, Luke 4, Jesus said, my mission statement is, I've come to set the captives free. Now, if we don't have strength, spiritual strength, we're not going to set anybody free. We're going to be just as captive as everybody else. But you know what? We have His Holy Spirit. You know what? Let us get refocused on that. You know what? This is the time. It's not the tomorrow. It's not, oh, when everything's over and everything's good and everything's okay, then the river will flow for me. No. This is the moment. This is the time. This is the era. This is the season for the river to flow through you. This is the time. This is the moment. This is the season. This is the era for the river of God to flow from you because people are captive. They're captive to fear. They're captive to gloom and doom. They're captive to a lot of things, addiction. They're captive to sin. They're captive to the enemy in many ways. And this is the time, people. You know what? I'm going to preach this until I die because this is the thing. We are Jesus in the earth. You are a supernatural people. Step out of the natural and step into the supernatural. We walk in here and maybe we've listened a lot to the natural. And Jesus says, no, you are a supernatural person. You have a different mindset than the world. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray over this house right now, over this house, declare and decree. As the waters are pouring from heaven, may the waters pour over this house today. Lord, I pray for the refreshing of your believers. I pray for the realignment of our mindsets to have the mind of Christ, not the mind of the world. Lord, I say a refreshing over them so that the river of God flows out of their belly as Jesus declared it to do in John 7, 37. And out of your belly shall flow a river. This house, this house, no matter what kind of storms you may face, no matter what kind of stuff goes on around this house, this house is going to have the river of God flow. This house is going to set people free. The captives shall be set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. This house, people are going to know Jesus as their Savior. This house is going to be a place where people can go and find shelter from the storm, find shalom, find peace from the storms of life. This house, we declare it, Father, in your name. Amen. Come on, let's sing. Sing, break open prison doors. Break open prison doors. Set all the captives free. Spring up a well. Spring up a well. Spring up a well in me. Holy Spirit, nothing can stop this joy. We're dancing in the streets. Spring up a well. Spring up a well. 
open prison doors Set all the captives free Spring up a well Spring up a well Spring up a well in me Nothing can stop this joy We're dancing in the streets Spring up a well Spring up a well Spring up a well in me We come alive in the river 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 Come alive We come alive in the river In every season We come alive in the river In every government we come alive in the river. We come alive in the river. Spring up a well. Spring up a well. Spring up a well in me. Holy Spirit, rise. Spring up a well. Spring up a well. Spring up a well in me. Spring up a well. Spring up a well.
your presence all death is gone in your presence no place I'd rather be no place I'd rather be no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. No place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be, no place I'd rather be than here in your love, here in your love. So set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire, set a fire. That's bigger than me Cause it's from you There's no place No place I'd rather be There's no place I'd rather be No place I'd rather be Right here in your love Here in your love No place I'd rather be that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more You know when we ask the Lord to come and fill us and to touch us, in such measure that we can't contain it that we can't contain him that we can't control him you know else who can't control us the enemy our thoughts so that's why we ask lord fill us fill us fill us again when i i don't feel you god when i don't hear you i don't need to go far from you I need to get closer and I need to get emptier, God, so that I can say, come, come fill me, come fill me, come fill me and overflow from me, God, so much so that I can't contain it, that I can't control it, because at that point, I'm operating in the Holy Spirit and in the fullness of His Spirit. 
to set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. Come on, that I can't control. I want more of you. He has more for you. I want more and of you. More set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain. That I can't control. Jesus was all in for us when he went to the cross.
I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen metal plates dissolve. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen a real life resurrection. I've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen families I've seen prodigals return Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it I've seen troubled souls delivered I've seen addicts finally free Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it We'll see cities in revival Salvation flood the streets. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do we'll it. We'll glory. We'll see glory fill the nations like the world has never seen. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Cause I know that he can. I believe the wonder working God. The wonder-working God All the miracles I've seen Too good to not believe The wonder-working God And you heal because you love All the miracles we'll see You're too good to not believe You're too good to not believe too good to not believe after everything I've seen. Too good to not believe. 
as we sing this again of all the things that we've seen him do. And it doesn't mean we have to physically see them. Do you see them in the spiritual? With your spiritual eyes, when you read the Bible? Do you believe that the Bible is true? You've seen it. You've seen it. But you know, there's gonna be thoughts when you watch the TV, social media, when you talk to friends and family, when you go to work, amen? You're gonna hear the opposite. It's doom and gloom. So may this song go deep inside you today because these words are true. But the response is, do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you know that he can do it? Because these words are powerful when we put our faith to it. So I imagine you just in your car listening to the radio station. You sing it out. You say, don't tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Yes, I know that he can do it. Yes, I know that he can do it. I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen milk. Come on, sing it out. Yes, I know that he can practice this. Yes, I know that he can do it. I've seen real life resurrection. I've seen mental health restored. Yes, I know that he can do it. Yes, I know that he can do it. I've seen families reunited. I've seen prodigals return. Yes, I know that he can do it. I am resolved. Yes, I know that he can do it. I've seen troubled souls delivered. I've seen addicts finally free. Yes, I know that he can do it. Yes, I know that he can do it. Bless these cities and revival. Salvation flood the streets. Yes, I know that he can do it. Yes, I know that he can do it. We'll see glory fill the nations like the world has never seen. Yes, I know that he can do it. Yes, I know that he can. I believe the wonder-working God, the wonder-working God. All the miracles I've seen, you're too good to not believe. You're the wonder-working God, and you heal because you love. All the miracles we'll see. Too good to not believe. After everything I've seen, too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. After everything I've seen, too good to not believe.
my champion. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you won, I believe. I am who you say I am. Crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly place. With the one who has conquered it all. Sing when I lift. When I lift my voice and shout, everyone comes crashing down. I have the authority. Jesus has given me. shaking off of some stuff right now. You know, I've talked about how, yes, there's a shaking going on. A lot of people want to rebuke the shaking, but the Lord said, I'm going to shake it. <laughs> the Christians, they want to rebuke the shaking. And I was like, no, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth so that I can tell what is my kingdom on this earth. That's the way I'm going to tell it. And you know one thing that he wants to shake out of us? is the worldly thinking that we get so influenced little do you know sometimes how influenced you are by the world but it starts coming out of our mouth see what we say how we comment our attitudes and Jesus come on we're gonna you know what this isn't gonna be a popular word you know why because we like hallelujah miracles you know what this is attached to that because when we're thinking like the world we can't see the way the Lord wants us to see. We can't hear 
his voice because our mindset is in the wrong place. I'm going to read a scripture to you. Mark chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn it. But this is a scripture where Jesus has just fed the 4,000. Now, he had already fed the 5,000 with fish and loaves, and now he's feeding the 4,000. This is right after that. But it's very telling because, remember, he has disciples with him, and you are his disciples, by the way. Who are you are in the earth right now? You are his disciples. So it's very telling what the disciples actually struggle with. You know, we just sing about miracles. This house has seen miracles. We don't, you know what? We don't need, I mean, we can go and we should go back to scripture, but we have seen miracles in this house. Yes. I don't know where you've been, but I've been here and I've seen miracles, things that are unexplainable. Even what flows from this house to the nations is unexplainable. I'll get to some of that later when I do announcements. But the fact is this. We've seen miracles. Because as we fix our eyes on Jesus, and he gives us his thoughts, we have a mind and a way of thinking that sees things very differently than the world. Very differently than your old man. Very differently than the way somebody would, that has a carnal mindset, would tell you how to do something. Because we have the mind of Christ. And his mind is a supernatural mind. This is a great testing time for us to find out where really are our thoughts. Okay, here we go. I'm not preaching today, so I'm just going to, I need to focus. I always preach. I preach when I, I preach when everything. Okay. Verse, when I give announcements, I'm preaching. It's like, come on, Lynn, get in your lane. All right. Verse 11. The Pharisees, oh, so, so right after the four are fed, 4,000 are fed, this is what happens. Now, this is what's interesting. This happens in our life, too. The Pharisees, verse 11, the Pharisees came out and began to argue contentiously with him, with Jesus. You know, have you ever had a big victory and all of a sudden somebody's coming up stormy to you? You come home from church, y'all, you know, like filled. <laughs> somebody's all stormy, all fleshly minded. Well, that's what the Pharisees come up to Jesus with. Contentious, divisive, divisive, picking at him, picking at him. Listen. That's what the world's going to do when you leave this place. That's what people who are carnal Christians will do when you leave this place. Expect it. Okay, so we're going to learn some things here. Contentiously with Jesus, demanding from him a sign from heaven to test him. See, the fact is this. They didn't believe in Jesus. He groaned. This is Jesus. I love this because that means I can groan inside too when people are contentious. He groaned inside deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation demand a sign? I assure you and most solemnly say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Leaving them, he again boarded the boat and left for the other side. See, now what is going on here? The Pharisees are pressuring Jesus to perform. The world will pressure us to side in with him in some way. Are you, are you, are you buckling under that? The pressure to side in with you gotta no, you gotta choose. See, the world's telling you, you gotta choose to think like me. I'm gonna tell you right now, you don't choose to think like the world in any way. You you're understanding what I'm saying, right? 
Right now, the world is pressure. The religious world. Ooh. Oh, the real. Well, the Pharisees, who were they, people? They were religious people. Oh, we'll get to Herod in just a minute. Because Herod was political. Ooh, Pastor Lynn, you're stepping on toes. You know, I'm just reading the word. I'm just reading the word because the Lord told me, Pastor David and I said, said, Lord, how do you want me to approach this season? We're in this season of turbulence. And he said, I want you to do two things. I want you to preach my word and I want you to love people. That's it. I mean, you don't want me to go and do something else, you know? No, I want you to preach my word. What did Jesus do? He preached the word and he loved people. If you want to know what your assignment is, Speak not what you think, but what the Word of God says. And love all people. Not just people that are like you. Not just people that think like you. Not just people that are you're comfortable with. All people. So anyway, so we go back. So Jesus just has this contentious engagement with the Pharisees, these religious people. And so they go to the other side. But the more important thing is this. What are the disciples? How are the disciples influenced by all this? Now, verse 14 says, Now the disciples had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. Now this is the thing. The disciples just experienced the miraculous. Then they experienced the Pharisees and their talk. Then they, they, they enter into the physical realm. Now they're worried about something. Now Jesus just fed 4,000 people. But now the disciples are worried about bread. (laughs) Because they defaulted back into the physical realm. Possibly because of the trajectory of the chapter, the contention with the Pharisees kind of pushed them into that. They started kind of being a part of that, listening, being aware of that. Verse 15, Jesus repeatedly ordered them saying, see now Jesus is still in the spiritual. Because what does he say in verse 15? Jesus repeatedly ordered them saying, watch out because of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So they're talking about bread, like physical bread, bread and butter, lunch. And he's talking about, Jesus is still in the spirit. He's saying, I'm concerned about the influence on your thoughts and on your mindset because the leaven, that leaven will permeate every part of you. I'm concerned. Watch out. I'm going to tell you those words are still here. Jesus is still ringing those words to his disciples today. You guys need to really watch out of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. Because you're not of this kingdom. They were of the religious kingdom and the political kingdom, but you are not of this kingdom. What kingdom are you of? You are of my kingdom. Okay. Woo. This is for all of us now. Okay. So watch out for the leaven. Verse 16. And then they began discussing this with one another saying, it is because we have no bread that he said this. They're still in what realm? They're still in the physical realm. I don't know how many times I've preached a sermon. Somebody comes up to me. I'm thinking, did you just listen? Did you just, did you not hear? Did you not hear? I surrender all. And you're coming up here not surrendering all. Because it's so easy. Listen, 
why not this person too? It's so easy to default to the physical. It's so easy to be influenced by Herod and the Pharisees because when we go out there, the world's shouting loud at us. So that's what they do. They're discussing with one another. It's because we have no bread. Verse 17, Jesus, aware of this discussion, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you still not see or understand, or are your hearts hardened? Let me just say this. Those of us, all of us in this house, we have received the Holy Spirit. This was before Jesus breathed on them. After, after the resurrection, Jesus breathed and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, they're walking with Jesus. They believe. We find this out in the next few verses. They believe. But the truth is this. We have more power in us than they did. Because we have the Holy Spirit in us, dwelling in us. They were with Jesus. So it goes on. Are your hearts hardened? I want you to check your heart. What hardens hearts are self-righteousness. I'm talking about people who are in the faith. We get self-righteous. We get fixated. We put other things. We exalt other things over the word of the Lord. We exalt other things. We don't submit to the word of the Lord. And we can get hard-hearted. And hard-heartedness is a dangerous place. Because what happens is we step out of powerfulness and we step into powerlessness. We do, I'm just telling you, that's the truth. And then he goes on and says, though, verse 18, Though you have eyes, do you not see? And though you have ears, do you not hear and listen to what I have said? And do not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basket full of broken pieces you picked up? You picked up. You participated in they answered 12, verse 20. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many large basketfuls of broken pieces did you pick up? And they answered seven, verse 21. And he was saying to them, do you still not understand? Jesus was confronting. He was pulling them back in to remembering them being a part of the miraculous. When we get the mind of Herod, when we get the mind of the Pharisees, we step out of faith and belief in the miraculous. Because what we start to think is, oh, we got to get victory the world's way. We got to battle things the world's way. And if we don't, then, then we're powerless if we don't. But the truth is this, that's a lie. See, where we're powerful is when we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in high places. That's what, our, what the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. But there's something about this world that wants to pull us into, and it first begins with fleshly thinking. Now, what happens after this? So Jesus confronts them. Pulls them back and they say, remember the miraculous. Remember what we do. Remember what you just experienced. Okay. But then what does he do? Then he goes and heals the blind man. Stepping back into the miraculous. Realign. You know what? This house is going to be an oak of righteousness. 
But when I say that, what does that mean? That means we're going to stand for his ways. We are going to be people that don't take the bait of the enemy. The enemy wants to bait you all week long to think like the world, to react like the world, to be angry like the world, to be unloving like the world, to be fearful like the world, to fit into the world, to side in with some form or thing of the world. The enemy wants to bait you all week long. And it's important that you say, I am not going to receive that leaven. What does leaven do? It's yeast. And what does it do? It fills the whole self. Too many Christians have the leaven of the world in them right now. Because they've taken the bait. They've taken the bait of the enemy. And then we wonder why we can't heal the blinded. Okay, come on. If we're going to heal the blind, set the captive free, we can't have the thoughts of the Pharisees in Herod. Woo! You know what? We say, I want revival. I want to see a miracle. Okay, then don't have the thought life of the world. But you're going to have to walk in the Spirit and crucify the flesh. Oh, that's not a popular message, but you know what? That is the secret of your victory. That is the secret of the power. The, the Lord has shaken the church. Why? Because He wants it to arise in power. His power. His power to do what He declared He was going to do. In Luke chapter 4, I have come to set the captives free, to restore sight to the blind. How is He going to do it? He's going to do it through you and you and you and you and you and you. But we can't be like the world. We can't be like the world. And Jesus is teaching his disciples that. And he's teaching us that. We are called to be an oak of righteousness. I come back when I talk to the Lord and I dwell with him. The Lord's saying, I'm going to raise this house to be an oak of righteousness. And, and you're not going to, and, and you guess what? This isn't going to be the only storm, by the way. We all, oh, once this storm's gone, then okay, it's going to be okay. You know what? There's going to be lots of storms over and again, over and again. The earth is going to have groaning pains, like giving birth. It's going to happen. That's what Jesus said. Why are we saying we don't want it? Well, that's part of the, the end times. But guess what? He's making us an oak of righteousness so that people run to this house for shelter, for peace, for what must I do to be saved? Come on. Some of you've run to this house for healing. Some of you've run to this house to what must I do to be saved? I want us to stand. The Lord wants me to speak this message today for a reason. You say, you know, Pastor Lynn, What's the mission on this house? Well, if you don't know the mission on this house, you haven't been listening. Because <laughs> we say it all the time. We say it all the time. You know, Jesus said, Luke 4, 18 and 19, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me 
because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to announce release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And then he says in verse 21, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and in your presence. When he said that, he says, I am here. And since Jesus spoke those words, his presence has been here. Now his presence is through us and in us and upon us. And we are to go about doing the mission of Jesus. I want us right now, I want you to check your spirit, check your heart, check your mindset. Have you defaulted in any way? It's so easy. Listen, maybe even through the bait of fear. I mean, it could be the enemy has so many baits out there to bait us. The bait of quit. I just don't want to deal with. I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to love on people that are difficult. The bait of quit. The bait of fear. The bait of siding in with the worldly things. Whatever that bait can be. The Lord woke me up in the middle of the night and said, tell the people not to take the bait. Tell the people. That's all I had. When I came into the office today, the Lord said, tell the people, do not take the bait. The enemy's trying to bait them. And if you're a fisherman, you know that the bait is what hooks them, what hooks you. He's trying to bait you with something. And the Lord says, don't tell them not to take the bait. The Lord says, I have given them my mind, and you have the mind of Christ. Not the mind of the Pharisees, not the mind of Herod, but the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Let's surrender this to the Lord. Say, you know what, and if there's any hardened heart, we're just going to deal with it. Lord, if there's any hardened hearts in us, and that can take on a lot of expressions Lord we say soften it right now Lord we surrender right now I just want you to surrender religious spirit leave in the name of Jesus agreement with politics being our God leave in the name of Jesus his government I'm just gonna say he's telling me my government shall never end don't you see? My government shall never end. Your trust and hope in human government? No, my government shall never end. You say, well, Pastor Lynn, does that mean we're not good? Good. You're supposed to be a good citizen. Read the word, of course. But don't trust in the government of man. We trust in the government of our God. Come on. Get rid of the mindset of Herod. Get rid of the mindset of the Pharisees. We have the mind of Christ and we will be an oak of righteousness no matter what goes on around us. No matter what storm circles us, we will be an oak. I think I'm just declaring right now, I believe in the declaration and decreeing of the Lord over this house. I believe as we are an oak of righteousness, I prophesy over this house that many babies will be burst into the kingdom through this house because we are a safe place. We are a place that's an oak of righteousness. We are a place that knows how to love people. We are a place that knows how to set captives free. We are a place that knows how to heal the sight of the blind. Come on, we're, we're a place where people can become new creations. 
Come on, that's the oak of righteousness, fulfilling the assignment of Jesus on us. Not the assignment of the world, not the assignment of the religious world, but the assignment of Jesus on us. We declare this, Lord. Whoo! I was declaring it. I don't know if you know this, because you have a prophetic pastor here. And you know what? When we declare and decree, there's something that's unlocked over us. The enemy wants to shut you up. The enemy doesn't want you to declare and decree. But the fact is this, that Jesus said, I have given to you the keys of the kingdom. I have given to you the keys of the kingdom. And that means we got to be in agreement. But what you, what is bound in heaven will be bound on earth. What is loosed in heaven will be loosed on earth. So we declare, Father, because we know this is your will. This is your will. This is your will for your children on the earth, whatever nation. Whatever nation, whatever culture, whatever government, Lord, you have assigned this to your children. Father, so we declare it and decree it in your name. Come on, let's say amen with me. Say it louder. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Woo, you know what? When there's a push by the enemy, we push back harder. We go, oh. And you know what? A lot of times with the push against us, what we want to do is be discouraged or quit or give up or wave the white flag to the enemy. And the Lord is saying, no, you push back harder. You believe me more. You stand on my word more. That's what we're going to do. Guess that's, that's how we've made it through these well, last 10 years, basically. Praise the Lord. The Lord's good. All right, welcome. If you're a visitor, fill out a visitor card. It's in the pew in front of you. We have a lot of things to help people in their faith filled to the brim. Daily devotional by Pastor David. We do that for those who need some, you know, encouragement during the week. So I want you to check into those, listen to those as you have time. But it's going to help you, give you a baseline for spiritual encouragement. You need to be feeding yourself every day. There's all kinds of small groups, and we know we talk about those. Please be a part of one. It gives you accountability. Today, after the second service, we have our annual business meeting. And um, please, those of you, especially those who are members, please attend that. Come back for that. And I know a lot of people who usually come on this service are waiting to come at the 1030 service because of that. But we're voting on new board members, so come and be a part of that. Hear what God has done. Tongues of Fire Worship service, November 5th, 8 p.m. Team Challenge will be with us. All of our partners are excited about this, our partners globally. It's a time to be encouraged. We are a global church, and that's one way we're doing that, being a global, local church together. God has assigned that to us. Uh, our pastor, Sandy, the children's ministries, have a harvest party Friday, October 29th. 6:30. This is a time to invite whoever will wants to come. It's an outreach as well, getting families connected to this house. Annual Thanksgiving dinner, Wednesday, November 17th at 6:30 p.m. If you don't normally come to Crossroads Connect, still come to this. Our Teresa Lopez, she is uh, administrating this, overseeing this, and and people will bring side dishes and she will help get everybody organized. Sermons, sermons are available on our podcast. You can check that out on our e-newsletter. Our ministry partner for the week is the Persecuted Church. 
Why do you always say that? <laughs> well, we have, we've, over the last several weeks, we've had a lot of our ministry partners globally talk to us about how there's been persecution. As a matter of fact, uh, last week, Pastor Lynn and I did some training for some of our pastors, uh, partners in central India. Uh, and some of the other areas I've been in correspondence with our missionaries. There's a lot of persecution going on against Christians. So if you could just be praying that the hand of God would protect those, uh, you know, even the situation in Haiti, there's those 17 missionaries that are uh, captive. They're threatened to be executed. Uh, just keep praying for the local and the global church that the spirit of God would protect them from the evils of the wicked one. Amen. Amen. So it's not more than just like central India, but beyond. So... Please pray for the persecuted church. We're, we're raising funds for the Teen Challenge uh, washer and dryers. And actually, I talked this weekend. I was, did a ministry event this weekend. Um, I talked with the Teen Challenge directors, the ones that oversee all of Cal uh, Northern California. And she, she said, oh, you're from Oregon Hill. You're the ones raising the money for our washers and dryers, aren't you? Yeah. And so I want to give you a report on that. We only need 365 more dollars, and then we can purchase those um, washer and dryers. And I know that somebody's going to give that money this this week so that we can get those going for the three centers in San Jose, commercial washer and dryers. And they're already blessed. They're already super excited. They've heard the good news that we're almost there. So um, let's do that and push it over the top, okay? Pastors Appreciation Month, thank you, some of you. Many of you have already given and loved on us and given us food. I got some fudge today. You know, we've had some blessing. We've been feeling very appreciated. It's an encouragement to be appreciated by our congregation. So thank you for that. It's throughout this month that we just highlight uh, loving on pastors, okay? Time to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. Please come forward, ushers. I'm going to pray. Lord, I thank you, Father, for the blessing over this house. Lord, you always protect the generous. When we are generous, we are like you. But Lord, we know that our tithe is an expression of obedience and trust in you. And Lord, we give our offerings, Father, of praise and worship to you. And we give them liberally. So Lord, we give these things to you. Multiply them for your kingdom in your name. Amen. God bless you. You are my champion, giants fall when you stand undefeated, every battle you won, I am who you say I am, you crowned me with confidence, I am seated in the heavenly place with the one who has conquered it all. Amen. Aren't you glad he's conquered it all? Hey, I want to encourage you, if you're here right now and you are here, or how many of you are here? <laughs> About half of you. Okay, the rest of the half will be by the end. Uh, I encourage you to come back to the business meeting if you can. Go grab a coffee or a snack and come back. But here's some of the great things that God's been doing over the last year. Uh, it's amazing what God's done. It really is. So, hey, uh, this morning I want to talk to you about how people of the kingdom believe that God is good. I don't know if you remember before you were a believer or if you've had conversations with people that aren't believers or maybe some people that are believers that don't really have a lot of faith in the Lord, which uh, sadly I don't, I don't know how those two, two things mesh. But have you ever heard people say, how could God allow this to happen? 
you know? Or why didn't God do something? I, I remember when the, the whole thing of uh, the, 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 uh, in Somalia and the starving people, and why, why wouldn't God do something here? And, and people don't realize that believers, people of faith, are the ones that encourage and are usually the ones that do a lot of the giving. And it was interesting because a lot of times God's doing something through the lives of people, but there are, there are carnal people that aren't allowing God's work to happen. And uh, a lot of times there are, uh, there, you know, there could be people that are hijacking the grain, people that are stealing the, the grain and, and, and using it for uh, buying weapons and stuff. There's all kinds of things like that. But one of the things I want to challenge us as people of faith is to look at what the Scripture says about who God is. You know, I'm tired of people giving God a bad rap. I'm tired of people treating the God who is a God who always trades up. You know, think about this. God took your sin and my sin, and I don't know about your sin. I know some of your sin's pretty bad. I know my sin was pretty bad. And he traded up and gave me grace. He took away my fear and gave me faith. He took away my, my anxiety and my anger and gave me peace and joy. God always trades up for us. And one of the things that God wants to do is God wants you to know that he's, first of all, he is on your side, and second of all, that he is a good, good God. You know, I was thinking about when we were singing that song about, uh, you know, I, I Believe, and, and thinking about, you know, how many of you have seen cancer disappear? Robin, you see, your, you and your daughter, you know? Pastor Lynn and I were in the service where a guy got up, he was in a motorcycle accident, and he, he shared about how the metal plates in his back dissolved. He went to the doctor, and the metal plates in his back dissolved. Nania, the pastor in Nepal that we support, she was physically resurrected. She had died and had an encounter with the Lord, and the Lord sent her back, and there was a physical resurrection. We were talking to people just this last week uh, from Teen Challenge about how God is resurrecting people from a life of addiction and setting them free. God is in the supernatural business. And one of the things the Lord wants to do is the Lord wants you and I to have an understanding of his goodness. His goodness and his mercy are new every morning to those of us that walk in faith. And so I want to talk to you this morning about how people of the Spirit, if we're truly people of the Spirit, we will see the goodness of, the, of our God in the land of the living. So one of the first things I want to look at is, is how do we know God is good? God is good because God has sent his Son to set you and me free. He set us free from the bondage of sin, and I don't know about you, uh, you might have lived a goody-two-shoes life. I didn't. I was pretty wicked. And I, I remember when that weight of sin was removed from me. I remember when that burden was lifted. I remember when the, the grace of God, I had that, I call it the spiritual aha moment, where I realized that my sin had been delivered off of me, and now I could live in peace and joy. And when I thought about that, I thought, this is, you know, why I love the Apostle Paul is because I identify with the Apostle Paul. He, he was a, 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 the chief of all sinners. And he says this in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And what is implied there is a great big heavenly nobody. No one can be against you if God is for you. And then he says, and uh, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, or if in the, the Alabama version, y'all, okay? And he will not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. You know, think about that, how God graciously, what is grace? Grace is getting something you don't deserve 
and not getting something which you do deserve. How many of you know that you should have gotten sent straight to hell on the express train? No stops, right? And what God says, because of my grace, my grace is going to cover you. It's going to forgive you. It's going to cleanse you. It's going to wash you. It's going to set you free. Isn't God good? Think about it. Think about for a moment how God gave his one and only son. Now, those of you that have children, I remember as a parent threatening to give my kids back to the Lord, you know, sending them right straight back if they keep it. But would you sacrifice your sin, your sin, your sin, your son, (laughs) hopefully you sacrifice your sin, Uh, would you sacrifice your son or daughter for an unworthy person? Would you take your child and slay them so that some reprobate person could be set free. I don't know many people that would. I don't think any of us would. And what God did is he sent his son, his perfect son, the the exact representation of who he was, sent him into the world to seek and to save that which was lost. Talk about goodness. Talk about, you know, I don't ever, ever, ever want to forget what Christ did to set me free. And I think sometimes when people start forgetting how bad they used to be. Not that you live in that and live under condemnation because Scripture says in in Romans also there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But it also talks about us remembering the goodness of God to us. How how do we respond against this? There's no one that can come against us. Why? Because we have a God who is so good, he has cleansed us from all of our sins, all of our unrighteousness, all of those things that he should have held against us. And he said, I'm going to pour my grace out upon you. And he trades up, like I said. You know, th- think about it. Think about if, if you would go into a car dealership and you have a beat-up old Rambler that's all rusted out and it's got, you know, leaking head gaskets and there's, the, the brakes are bad and the tires are bald and, and the Lord says, you know what, I'd like to give you a brand new Ford Explorer. You know, the dealership says that to you. That's really what God's done. He's taken our wreck and given us something new. He said, I'll take that which is damaged and broken and not really worth a whole lot, and I will give you something new for that. That's the goodness of our God. You know, in Romans chapter 5, he says this, and I love this. For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? That shows us that even though when you and I were arch enemies of the Lord, he still loved us. Think about that. Think about a person that's your worst enemy. Think about them. Who that may be. You may have someone that's just really antagonistic to you. And you know what? You're called to love them. You know why? Because Christ demonstrated that to us. That we are to love people. Why? Because of his love to us. And it's come to us and it's reconciled. What does reconciliation mean? Making something like it was never broken. So what Christ has done literally for you and I... He said, I'm going to put you back into a right relationship with me like it's never been broken. I'm going to go back to the pre-fall. I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 2, and I'm going to establish the relationship that I had with Adam and Eve with you so that you can walk with me in the garden. I can have conversation with you. I can bless you. I can sustain you, and I can keep you. That's what God wants to do, and he sent Jesus to do that. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that we're called to do as believers is to come against the lie of the enemy that our God is not good. Do you hear me? A lot of time, I tell you, the media right now, people right now, they're talking about God as God is this wicked, you know, guy up in the sky with a, 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 a baseball bat just waiting to bash people's head in. That's not the God of Scripture. 
As a matter of fact, when you read through Scripture, one of the things that God does is he says, we have to stand against that. You know, I'm going through a, a devotional on the book of Ephesians. I think we're at 120-some things. We're just getting to the spiritual warfare section. Monday it'll go out uh, on uh, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 11. But in Ephesians, I've learned there's some powerful truths. And one of the truths found in the book of Ephesians is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. And it says, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And what it's talking about, it's talking about those people that are living in the world that don't understand who Christ is. We, you and I, before we came to faith, we deserved wrath. You know? We had done things. We had trampled on the message of the gospel. We had blasphemed the Lord. We lived in rebellion. But look what happened. Something happened. And it happens, and, and it's interesting because Pastor Lynn and I, we really believe that in the concept of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And in this verse in Ephesians, it says, they were following their desires. What desires? The desires of those in the world. And they were following their desires and their thoughts, and, they, and they, as a result of that, they deserved wrath. But what God did, God came and set us free from the wrath and the, the mindset of the world. He's given us a new mind. He's transformed us by the word of God and renewing us so that we walk in the fullness of who he is and an understanding of who he is. Yet in all this time, we still deserve wrath. But God said, you know what? I'm good enough. I'm gracious enough to forgive you all that sin and let you walk in my grace, let you walk in my freedom. You know, probably the most quoted Bible verse of all is John 3, 16. You know, for God, what? So loved the world. So if a God that so loved the world is bad, how does that, how does that relate? God loved the world when it was in sin. God loved the world when it was corrupted. God loved the world when it was in rebellion to him. And I love what this passage says because a lot of times we just read John 3.16, but we don't read John 3.17. You know, God loved the world that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting eternal life, life without end. But he says this, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So the whole plan and purpose of God was to reveal his goodness to humanity, a, a, a fallen, wicked, pagan humanity that trampled on his grace, that trampled on his goodness, that took his very own son that he sent to us and crucified him. And God said, I'm going to use that very thing to save the world. Wow, talk about good. Talk about great. Talk about compassion. Second thing that we see about God is and this is what is so powerful and so amazing. What happened as a result of you and I experiencing the salvation of Jesus Christ is that we have now been adopted into his family. Adoption is actually, it's a, it's a very technical legal term in Scripture. Adoption, when we think of adoption, is, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to adopt a dog. I'm going to go to the SBCA or go to the kennel, and I'm going to adopt a dog. But, you know, in a biblical sense... It is not just saying that you're now part of our, our family, but you have every single legal right that belongs with that adoption. So when Scripture talks about adoption, what it's, it's basically talking about to us is that there is a, 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 a bonding into a new family. Some of us may not have family members. Some of us may be alone. Some of us may be have family members that aren't in faith. But we are now a part of the body of Christ. 
It's one of the many terms used in Scripture to talk about the familial relationship that we have in faith. That when we become in faith, you are now not a stranger to me, you're my brother and sister. So Markley, you're my sister. So when I look at you as a man, I don't look at you as, as, as the world does. I look at you as a sister in the faith. So I love you and respect you and, and honor you. And when I, I would look at Pastor Nick, I look at him. He is my brother in the faith. So when I look at him, I look at him like I'll do anything for him. Why? Because we're part of the family. And we build each other up and we encourage each other and we strengthen each other in our faith. Why? Because we've been adopted into the family. Look what the scripture says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. I love this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Wow. When did God put the plan into effect to save your soul? Before the creation of the world. Wait, wait, you mean you weren't an afterthought to God? No, you were a pre-thought to God. Before the world was created, God chose Isn't this amazing? He chose, and he says that you'll be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he did what? He predestined us for the adoption of sonship and daughtership through Jesus Christ in accordance, I love this, with his pleasure and will, and to the praise of all his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us. Who? Through the one that he loves, through Christ. So you and I, the goodness of God, before the creation of the world, God says, you know what? There's going to be people in the year 2021 that don't deserve the grace of God. But, you know, before creation, before the world was created, I'm going to predestine them to walk in my grace. Isn't that good? Just think about it. You're not an afterthought, you know? I joke around with my brothers and sisters because I was the oops baby, you know? Not the UPS baby, but the oops my mom got pregnant and wasn't supposed to get pregnant. She was too old to have kids, as everyone said. And look what happened. Perfection. You know? Only, that's what I tell my brothers and sisters. You know, All the last born, any last born children in here besides me? You know, I always tell my brothers and sisters, they had me and they realized it was perfect. And then they stopped. They, they, they did away with all the other ones, you know. But just think about it. When you, are, when you were born, God said, I love you and I have a plan for you. And I have a destiny for you, and I want you to walk in your goodness, and I want to walk you to walk in all the things that I have for you. I will adopt you into my family. You may have been an oops mistake. People may have said that you shouldn't be here. People should say all these things about you. But God said, you know what? I love you before the creation of the world. And I don't know. If that doesn't boost you up in your understanding of the goodness of God, I don't know what does. Because God adopted us into his family, and he says, not only will I adopt you in my family... I will give you every single benefit that is due to the rightful heir to the kingdom of God. So why is God so good to us? Because that's just his character, his nature. God can't help but being good, you know? You know, sometimes people just can't help but being bad, you know? But I tell you, God can't help but just being good. That's just who he is. And one of the things when you, you think about it, not only did he forgive you of all of your sin... He said, I'm going to treat you like you've never sinned before. I'm going to have a relationship with you in such a manner, in such a fashion, that I will treat you as as if you've never sinned. So you can walk into my presence anytime you want. No matter what's going on in your life, you have access to me. No matter what uh, you're facing, you're, you're you're never too much of an inconvenience to the Lord. You know, that's why scripture says in the Psalms, and I love this, Psalm 55, 22. That's a great psalm for you to memorize. 
It says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. You know, there's things in life that are going to try to shake us, you know. There's things that happen to us that, you know, I don't know why they happen, but Scripture says all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So even if a bad thing happens to you, God can use it to turn it around for good. You know why? Because God is good by nature, and he takes all things, and he makes them well. He takes the very thing that the enemy wanted to try to destroy in your life and and to use to destroy you, God will take that very thing and allow you to turn it around and bless others. You know, I'll give you a foretaste. I'll, I'll tickle your ears for the, the business meeting. The very, fu- the very thing that this church struggled with financially a decade ago is the very thing that we're walking in blessing right now. Do you know that? The very thing. Okay, last year, we gave $220,000 to missions. Okay? This year already, it's not even a full year, we've given $122,000 to missions. And, and 10 years ago, we couldn't, we couldn't rub two pennies together, right, guys? Those of you that are around, it was pretty tight. It was, like, it was like, whoa, what's going on? And now the very thing that the enemy wanted to use to destroy, God says, I'm going to take it, and I'm going to turn it around, and I'm going to make it a testimony of the goodness of my God. I tell you, God is so good. I don't, if, you, if you don't look in the mirror every day and say, God is good, is good to me, something's wrong with you. You need to get smacked inside the head with a two-by-four, you know, because there's something not right up there. You need to get your thinking transformed by the Word of God. Third thing that I, I look at when I read through Scripture is that God is good because He is our Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. He is the one that is our, the one that gives to us. And he is, you know, that one of the reasons why we have all these names of God around this sanctuary is I want you to remember who God is. So every time you look up here to Jehovah Jireh, the second one over on this side, right? He is the one who provides for us. He not only provides our salvation, he not only provides Jesus to, to, to be a, a substitute to take all of our sin, he also is providing for us in everything we do. And actually, when you look at the term Jehovah Jireh, it's, it's found in the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 14, it's where Abraham was going up into the mountain to sacrifice, to make a sacrifice. And he says to his, his son Isaac, who's like, you know, Isaac wasn't the, the dullest knife in the drawer. He sees the fire. He sees the wood. He knows they're going to sacrifice. And he's like, okay, I see the fire. I see the wood, I see the knife my dad's got, and uh, he's providing the sacrifice. Uh, Where's the sacrifice, Dad? And what does Abraham say to him? The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. My God will provide. And as you go through your life, you need to know this. God is a provisionary God who loves and cares for his sons and daughters in a way that just blows people's minds. And one of the things that God wants to do is God wants to remind us of his goodness through his provision. And and one of the things that God does is God God can give you a sense of peace when you're going through turmoil. You know, I always laugh at my my sister-in-law, Pastor Rob, who's come here with Worship Encounter. His wife, I remember when she was working, she was working in the, uh, 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 I don't even remember where it was, but she, she came home one day and she told her husband, she says, you know, hey, Rob, I just wanted to let you know I got let go today. And he goes, what? And she goes, oh, I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Why? Because she had a perspective of God that even in the hard times, even in the difficult times, even in the, the traumatic times, God is good. 
And part of it is that that's the thinking. We have to get the, the world stench out of our thoughts. And let me tell you, the world is full of filth. And one of the things the world loves to do is take something that's pure and defile it. And they want to defile your, your vision and your understanding of your God. Why? Because then you don't trust him. You won't trust the Lord because, well, you know, I can't trust the Lord because, you know, I know what the Bible says. I know the Bible says it's supposed to be true, but everyone around me is telling me this. Well, who are you listening to? Who, who, whose voice is commanding your thought life? You know, one of the things that we need to do is we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And some of our minds, they're pretty jacked up. We've heard a lot of garbage put in. And that's why it's important for us to get into the Word of God and let the Word of God get into us because what happens, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so one of the things that we, we look at, listen to what it says, the insight and understanding that we have of God wasn't just from Jehovah Jireh from the Old Testament, but look at what Matthew chapter 6 says. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31, 32, and 33 is an interesting text. Look what it says. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Interesting. For the pagans, what are pagans? Pagans are people that don't trust in God. All right? Run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you, that you need them. So pause and think here. God understands what you and I need in our life, right? So why do we worry about it? Worry is the opposite of faith. Fear, people that fear things. I got an email from someone this week, and they're like, I'm so afraid for my children. I, I stay up at night, and I'm fearful. And I'm like, you need a piece of God. Actually, when I read it, I said, you need a sozo. That's literally what I said. You need, you need to have the mind of Christ. You need to have your mind transformed. You need to have the peace of God rule your heart and your mind. And, and then he goes on, and he says, God knows what you need. But listen, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these other things will fall into place. The problem with too many people is we're not seeking first his kingdom. Yeah. We're seeking everything else. We're like chicken little running around telling everyone the sky's falling, and then we wonder why we don't have the peace of God in our life. Right. When you're walking in faith, you say, you know what, Lord, I understand it. I don't know how you're going to do this, Lord, but I know you're going to provide it. Yeah. I, I I look at the numbers, and I just I don't know how you're going to do it, Lord, but I know you're going to do it. I look at the circumstance and situation, God. I don't know how you're going to do it. It looks like the cards are stacked against me, but one thing I know, my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above what I imagine or ask. And so, Lord, I'm going to ask in faith that you would work this out and trust you. You see, there's a, a component of trust that has to happen in our understanding of the goodness of God. That he tr you, You've got to take him at his word. And he says this, he says, the pagans run after these things, but your heavenly father knows everything you need. We see when you're trusting a God that you're adopted into, a God that loved you, a God that gave his son for you, you can trust him. If you can't trust him now, how can you trust him that your sins are forgiven? You know, people all the time, oh, I don't know if God can forgive my sin. What does the word say? It is written. It is finished. All of it's done. It's done. You can walk in the grace and understanding of who God is. You know, one of the things that I'm, I'm committed to, I'm committed 100% to teach you what the Word of God says. You know, I, Pastor Lynn and I, we have been blessed, and I don't say this arrogantly, I say this very humbly. We have been blessed with a world-class education in theology and Scripture. 
I mean, there's not a lot of pastors, a lot of churches that have two pastors that have earned doctoral degrees. But one of the things I don't want to do is I don't want to use it to puff myself up. I want to use it to build you up. I want to breathe the knowledge that God has blessed us with into your life so you can walk. So we're not interested in just building trees of righteousness, us two. We're, we want groves. We want forests of righteousness. We want your sons and daughters to have faith that blows you away. We, you know, I don't know if you, you heard it or not, but Pastor Sandy just sent a testimony out about a little kid praying and a healing happening in the children's ministry. You know? And, and, and she referred back to our granddaughter a few years ago where she separated her shoulder and the kids gathered around her and prayed for her. And I remember she came running down the hall after children's church and her arm was in a sling going into church. And on the way out of children's church, she's swinging the, swing, the sling around her arm. Why? Because of the faith of a child, that if they have the faith of a mustard seed, that small faith to believe God. Now, if a child could do that, why can't us as adults do that? Why can't we believe that our God is a good God that wants to heal and deliver and set people free? You're not taking me at my word. You're taking him at his word. And the word of the Lord is more powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And God wants you and I to start believing in the goodness and the mercy of God. And I want to tell you, I want to pump you up. Some of you are old enough to remember Hans and Franz. I'm going to puff you up, you know. I want you to be strong in your faith. I want you to be developed in your understanding of the word so that no matter what circumstance or situation you go into, you walk in with authority, you walk in with power, and you walk in with the, the, knowing that the Lord is on your side. And if the Lord's on your side, who can be against you? Mm. So how do you get that? I love, I love the scriptures. James chapter 1, man, if you lack wisdom, what are you supposed to do? Oh, worry about it. Oh, God, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? That's the way most Christians act, right? Scripture says this in James chapter 1, verse 5. If you lack wisdom, ask of God. Some of you need to ask God about how you should deal with your finances. Some of you need to ask God, God, how do I deal with my business? Some of us need to ask God, how do I raise my kids? Some of us need to ask God, how do I deal with this health situation? No matter what you're lacking wisdom in, you need to ask the Lord because the Lord has the key. The Lord knows everything that you need. Didn't we just read that? And if the Lord knows everything you need, then why not ask him what you need? You know, I'll Google it. Why don't you got it instead of Google it? You know, why don't you get on your knees and ask the Lord to give you wisdom and direction rather than jumping on what someone else says. Yeah. Well, someone else says, someone else says, run over here. And then you read it and you Google it, and it's like, wow, they say that? Well, so this person says this, and this person says this. And, and then I read an article about this. Get on your knees and say, Lord, give me your divine wisdom. Yeah. Give me your understanding. Help me to have the mind of Christ in this situation. You know, one thing that your pastors will do, we have this, we have this one thing. We were actually talking about this driving in this morning. We have an audience of one that we want to please. Our goal is not to please you. Our goal is not to please the board. We answer to a higher authority. Our goal is to please God. And I tell you, sometimes as pastors, you have to tell people some things they don't want to hear. And I, I've, I've offended people, but you know what I say? Offense is wounded pride. Margaret Thatcher said that, the iron lady, right? And our goal is never to offend you, but our goal is to get you to have the mind of Christ. Our goal as your pastors is to build you up in your understanding of the word so you can rightly divide the word of truth so that when you look at scripture or you look at a circumstance, you can say, okay, what would Jesus do here? Yeah. What would the Lord do? The Lord would like me to speak faith when you're hearing someone sick. Yeah. 
When you're standing in line and you hear the person in front of you telling you how sick they are and how, how they're having a bad day and everything, you know what the Lord is calling you to do? Say, can I pray for you? Why don't we see miracles? Because we don't believe the Lord. We don't believe the word of God. You know, my wife and I say this all the time. You, you want to see some miracles? Hang around Jesus. You'll see miracles. Yes. You know, a lot of times people are hanging around everyone else, but they're hanging around Jesus. And you won't see a miracle if you're hanging around the crowds. But when you press into the goodness of the, of the Lord and you press into his understanding of what he wants to do in your life, you will start seeing miracles. Well. You know, I, this isn't even in my notes, but I want to share this. A couple weeks ago, I was talking to a guy, and he talked about how he, he uh, pretty, pretty bad dude, he decided he was going to end his life, and he took a pistol and put it in his mouth and said this, he says, God, if you're real, show me, and right then, his phone, he got a text message, and it was a friend of his that just came to faith, and he says, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but God wants you to know I love you, okay, now that's pretty miraculous, right, and what did he do? He says, okay, God, I don't know if that's from you, but show me again. I'm like, dude, really? <laughs> and right then he got a phone call from someone that said, you know, the Lord told me to call you and ask you to be my sponsor to help me get clean and sober like you are. Tell you, we can see miracles all the time. And why don't we see them? Because a lot of times we're listening to all the voices around us rather than that still small voice. And the Lord wants us to know how good he is. Finally, scripture says this, and I love this. God's word tells us he's good. In the Psalms, the Psalms are great. They're the, they're the hymn books of the, the, the Hebrews of the Old Testament. And in Psalm 31, verse 19, it says this, how abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you. Just think about that. You know, we have a lot of preppers, right? We have people that prep because they're worried about the end times coming and they're going to have all this. And, but how many of us are prepping all the good things God has for us? You know? How many of you realize that God is this massive storehouse of things that are good for you? So when you're looking at him, you go, I don't know why God's so good to me. It's his character. It's who he is. God can't help but be good to his children. You know? I don't know about you. I have, I have three kids, and I have uh, their, their spouses, and their, we've got grandkids, and we've got a, a adopted grandkids. And I told you a couple weeks ago, we have a, a new baby in India that's now named David after me, David Singh, good Punjabi name, you know? Uh, we have all these I, I want to just bless them, you know? We were in the store the other day. We, we went up to Sacramento with Pastor Lynn and Pastor Rebecca and, and Michelle, and we were in a coffee shop, and this little kid was there, and he's all jiggling around. I said to the mom, you need some help? And I held the little guy, and he just put his head on my shoulder. It was so adorable. I wanted to just take him home, but I know he couldn't, you know? And I, I told her, I said, I, this, yeah, she's trusting you. And he was just so trusting, and I said, you know, I'm just a grandpa. I just want to bless everyone, you know? And our goal and our desire is to know that how God just wants to. He has all of these things stored up for us. And so many times we, we, we lack an understanding of what God wants to do because we're not pressing into him. Yeah. We're not pressing in and saying, God, what good things do you have for me today? You know, you may be living in a storm where things are just flying at you. And you just need to st stop and say, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. But I, I know that you work all things together for the good. So even these things that are going crazy right now in my life, I know you're going to work together for the good of those. I know that part of your character and your nature, the reason God is so good is because that's who he is. And scripture says that he's stored up all these things for you. And the word that's used here for good things, this is really amazing. He's, it's the literal translation from the original uh, Hebrew means the best possible thing for you. Yeah. So what God's saying is, 
I've got the best possible thing available for you if you would just press in to find it. But so many of us, we want this superficial relationship with the Lord. And the Lord says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Press in, and press in and find out. You know, if Christians would get excited about God like they do about Black Friday, we'd see miracles happening all the time. I tell you, man. You know, I, I, we live down in Gilroy, and every once in a while I drive by the outlets, and there's people lined up to go into a store to buy something that's going to be out of style in six months. And I see people line up, you know, sometimes you're going someplace and I, I drive by a bank and people line up all the way around the, the, the Wells Fargo Bank. They're all the way around the building. And I'm thinking, you're going for silver and gold that's going to perish. Why don't we press in for the Lord like that? You know, why don't we press into what God has? You know, because, you know, the psalmist, I love this, the psalm in Psalm 26, verse 6, or 23, verse 6 says this, surely goodness and mercy and love will follow them all the days of their life and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Think about it. When you are in the presence of the Lord, he just everything around you just dissolves. The worries, you can cast your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. You can trust him because you know he's got good things stored up for you. You can walk in peace because you know that he is the prince of peace, and, and I don't know how he does it, but he stands on the, the bow of our life and says, peace be still. And when everyone else around us is running around panicking and worrying and freaking out, you could say, it is well with my soul. Why? Because you trust in the Lord. I want to just pray over us right now, you know? Because one of the things that God does, he just, he chases, literally, when I read Psalm 23, verse 6, it says this in my translation. The Willis translation of that is this. God chases us down to bless us. And he blesses us with favor. He blesses us with peace. He blesses us with understanding of who, who he is. He blesses us with a, a, a calmness in the midst of all of those things. And he says, my peace, be still. Yeah. Father, I just come before you right now, Lord, and I ask and pray that your Holy Spirit would just massage the word of Scripture into our hearts and minds. Lord, some of us are going through some turbulent things right now. Some of us, Lord, we're in a culture right now that just wants to just get everything antsy and flipped upside down and get us to worry and get us stressed out and get us polarized from people and from others, Lord. But you, your word to us is that I want to bless you with all those things I have stored up for you. That, Lord, that we can take refuge in you. And refuge is a place where we could find peace and safety. And, Lord, I just pray right now over each and every one of us, Lord, you would just speak to our hearts and our minds. Let the Holy Spirit, who you promised to come and to lead us and guide us into all truth, lead us into the truth of who you are. You are a good, good God. You are a God who blesses his sons and daughters. You are a God who takes our sin as far as east is from west from us. Lord, you are a God who gives us peace in the midst of all of the storm going around us. And Lord, I pray over us right now that, Father, your Holy Spirit would just guide us into the truth of who you are. I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom on how to ask you things when we're going through struggles or challenges, Lord. I pray and ask that, Lord, your word would become so powerful in us that when we're squeezed, worry doesn't come out, but the word comes out. I pray that, Father, when we're coming before a situation and circumstance, we can say, oh, God, I'm just waiting for you to show me how you're going to do a miracle in this. And, Lord, I pray over us, Lord, that we would just trust you to do something amazing through us. Lord, I thank you for your word. 
I thank you for the goodness of your word. I thank you for the blessing of your word. And I thank you that, Lord, you chose us as your sons and daughters to demonstrate your word to people around us. Lord, may we be a good translation of the scripture as we're going through life and situations come upon us and people watch us and, and are amazed at how we can trust you in the midst of these, these situations and circumstances. Because we know that, God, you are a good God. You're a compassionate God. Your loving kindness is new every morning. Your goodness is renewed. It, your goodness never stales, Lord. Your goodness is always new for us. And Lord, we just come before you right now, and we ask that you would just flood us with the word of God. Guard our hearts. Guard our minds, Lord. Put a hedge of protection around us, Lord, so that the world wouldn't try to bombard their lives into who you are. But Lord, we would trust you at your word. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Let's stand. Too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. After everything I've seen. You're too good to not believe. You're too good to not believe. Too good to not believe. After everything I've seen. You're too good to not believe. And I've seen cancer disappear. I've seen metal plates dissolve. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen a real life resurrection. I've seen mental health restored. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen families reunited. I've seen prodigals return. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. I've seen troubled souls delivered. I've seen addicts finally free. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We'll see cities in revival. And salvation flood the streets. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Don't you tell me he can't do it. We'll see glory fill the nations like the world has never seen. Don't you tell me he can't do it. Does I know that he can? I believe in the one working God. The one working God. All the miracles I've seen. Too good to not believe. The Lord is saying there's some of you in this room that you're having a storm in your home kept seeing this storm in your home and the Lord says um, you're going to be like the eagle that's going to fly above that storm right now and the thing is this when you do that it's it's not that you're trying to distance yourself from your family it's actually authority actually authority that the Lord is going to give you if you if that's you I just really feel like it's a prophetic word for you that you feel like you've had like it feels like it's a whether it be like there's just been distress in your home or division in your home or carnality in your home.
come on, I'm just listening to what Jesus is listening. And the Lord is saying, I want to bring, I want you to know I'm a good God and I'm going to bring shalom to that home. And you're going to start believing me for the shalom of God. And you look at the circumstance and you say, how can that be? Because you don't know my, and fill in the blank, my child. You don't know my whoever. You don't know this. Well, the fact is, is the Lord is saying, I want to bring that uh, I'm going to calm that storm in your home, but it's my presence that calms storms. So if that's you, I want you to raise your hand, and I'm just going to pray over you right now. If you're having a storm in your home, the Lord's saying shalom is going to come to your home through the goodness of God. The peace of God, the shalom, the unity. Not carnal thinking, but the thinking, the mind of Christ. And the Lord is going to cause you to fly as eagles, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall walk and not grow weary. They shall run and not faint. The Lord's saying, you know what? I'm going to cause you to fly above the storm for authority. And then there's going to come. But see, the fact is this, the Lord's increasing your spiritual authority. You don't fight with flesh and blood. Remember. It's, it's a spirit realm thing that the Lord is saying. But he is saying, I am going to increase your authority as you have the mind of Christ. And your words are going to speak to the atmosphere. Your words are going to speak and that there's going to come a calm to that storm. Lord, right now, Father, we lift up the homes right now. Did you say that there's a storm in the home? Lord, you are going to bring calm to that. But it's going to be through your child who has uh, mounted up the wings as eagles and they have flown close to the sun. They've flown intimate with you, Lord. And you will bring, Father, calm. You're going to bring your wisdom. You're going to bring the word of the Lord to the situation. Now, there's a second thing the Lord is saying is, is some of you have had storm in your place of business, in your interaction, in your your whatever business world, meaning whatever you do with your job, your job life, your career life, your business, there's been some storms. Doesn't necessarily mean division within the business, but it could be maybe some things that the, the dynamics around you is creating stress, creating stress, and people are buckling under that, and they're, and they're reacting to that, and they're fearful, and there's a lot of anxiety, and that's kind of what the Lord is saying in, in that in your business or in your job or in your your place of employment and it's creating maybe some relationship issues and the Lord is saying I want to bring calm to that and you're going to be a vessel of my peace come on if that's you just raise your hand I'm not looking I just want you to by faith say I received that word that, and, and you entering into that facility or whatever you go into, whatever kind of facility you go to for your employment, the Lord's saying you're going to have a calming spirit. You're going to have a loving spirit. You're going to have my presence. And they're going to see the thing is they're going to see 
and feel the difference when you're there. Actually, what's going to happen is people can't wait for you to arrive. Because when you arrive, it feels like there's a, a peace that comes over that place. And the Lord said, I want to fill you so much with my presence that when you arrive to your place of employment, everybody's glad to see you because you bring my presence. You bring my peace. You bring my safety. You bring wisdom. You bring healing. You calm the anxiety and the fear. See, this is the thing. We don't take the bait of the world, right? We say we're going to be the vessels of the Lord. We're not like people who don't have Christ. And the Lord's saying when you come in, that's what you're going to be bringing. If that's you, if you feel like, yeah, there's been some turbulence, there's been a lot of conflict, there's been a lot of fears, there's been a lot of anxiety, there's been a lot of, you know, like turbulence. If that's you, we just declare this over you. We just declare this. You say, what does it mean to be an evangelist? That's what it means right there. That's what it looks like. we got to translate what we learn here to where we go out there. This is God, the Holy Spirit, translating the goodness of God. That people, what, what draws people to, to him is the kindness of God. And that is the kindness of God. Lord, we thank you for your word that you are a good God. And you have set these people in places right now in their lives, in the earth, to be ministers, to be your presence, to be your voice, to be your people in the earth, to bring your goodness to difficult situations. May they see, Lord, that you have appointed them, that you have assigned them, that you have placed them there, and you're going to use them as they are surrendered to you, and that they think with your thoughts Lord, that you want people around them to know of the goodness of God. Lord, we thank you, Father, for your word today in your name. Amen. God bless you. Have a good day. And those of you that are members or want to join us for the business meeting, come back around noon, a little bit after noon, and we're going to have our business meeting. God bless you. Peace be still. Peace be still. Peace be still, peace be still, peace be still, peace be still, too good to not believe, too good to not believe, too good to not believe, after everything I've seen. Too good to not believe, too good to not believe, too good to not believe, after everything I've seen, too good to not